guys, time for Talk of Champions here on the Roll Tide Pods. That's Tyler Watts. We're getting ready for the SEC Championship game. And as always, Talk of Champions is brought to you by the Watts Agency. Love an opportunity to talk to you. I sell insurance during the course of the week. That's what we do. We have fun on the weekend. We have fun here during this show. But during the week, we help people out, saving them not only money, but also uh, frustration in the event of a claim. So please give us a call. Look us up on the website, 205-822-5477, or TylerWattsInsurance.com for all your home, auto, and commercial needs. Before we go to Atlanta, let's talk about what happened down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, at the Iron Bowl, um, at the end, when Alabama looked like it was timing out perfectly, it's first and seven, and then a sequence of run play, losing a yard, bad snap, illegal forward pass, and it's fourth and 31. About anything that could go wrong went wrong, and then that play happened. Yeah, Nick, Sa- I, Nick Saban says they practice it all the time. Go ahead. I actually wanted to back up and, and even set the precedent and have a little – Wayne's World, do 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 to take you back. First two possessions, Auburn has a ball. They can do absolutely nothing. Can't complete a pass. Can't run for any yardage at the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, after Dupree gets that holding call in the fourth and one that erases what would have been a 14 to nothing lead, all of a sudden Auburn came alive. Started dominating the line of scrimmage. Found some things that were working with Peyton Thorne, as well as the running backs on the edge. Hit a couple of passes where they called Alabama looking in the backfield versus taking you know, watching over the wide receivers, and all of a sudden they're in the football game, as you mentioned. So that all led up to it. And then what I thought happened, especially late in the third quarter, and that fan base really got involved. And I'm telling you what, there's just something different about that place when that fan base becomes a part of the game that truly is that 7-10 to 10 point at home field advantage that I always talk about. But, yeah, leading down into the fourth quarter, even with six minutes, five and a half, six minutes to go, Alabama gets the football. And I said on air, I said, all right, it's time, Jalen Milrow, for you to you know, access your inner Greg McElroy. We need a five-and-a-half-minute game-winning touchdown drive right here, and we go three and out. I think Jermaine Burton had the, the, the pass that maybe it was in, maybe it was out, but we're forced to punt the ball, as you mentioned, with, what, two minutes, three minutes to go yeah. in the ballgame. And you're thinking, well, you got three timeouts in your pocket, but the frustrating thing is, as you know at that time, one, t- one first down probably ends the game. It's over with. Yeah, so thank goodness got the muff punt, able to scoop it up, take it down to the seven-yard line. And as you mentioned, that's when the wheels started to fall off, something that has happened all season long with the errant snaps, premature, actually occurred twice in that ballgame. Unfortunately for Alabama, on the first time, though, Jalen Miller was able to take it and hit a six-yard completion. But here, backing yourself up, and then the third illegal pass – in the game, which I hadn't seen in 15 years, and we saw it three times. Now all of a sudden you find yourself in a really bad spot. Yeah, they talk about practicing that, and I'm sure that they do, but it was still just an incredible play. They probably couldn't replicate it if they had to. Auburn, there's no way that they wouldn't defend that better if they had, if they ever are in that situation again. And it's probably a lesson for all defensive units across the country of how to properly play the last play of a football game. Yeah, and what is that? What's the, what's the proper way? Uh, keep your eyes in the backfield and, quite honestly, get after the quarterback. Well, if I keep my eye in the backfield, don't I lose the receiver at that point? It doesn't matter, especially with that big of a cushion. There's enough time and space. That ball has to travel, and it's going to take time, regardless of who's throwing it. You're going to have an opportunity to react, especially when you have seven or eight defenders sitting around the goal line. But I think the biggest kickaway, takeaway is this, is I don't think you'll see another defensive coordinator rush to probably three at the most, but they'll probably even get lighter and try to find some ways. Because if you force the quarterback to move more or get rid of the football quicker, 
that play can't develop. That's right. You got to get them get it out early. But I wanted to talk because uh, I think Alabama fans are interested in this. We've all seen that play, so that's history now. Moving forward, um, let's go first on what Auburn did to run the football for over 200 yards, 244 against Alabama. That makes me think, okay, how can this team stop Georgia's running game? I was told that maybe Auburn was doing things that Alabama hadn't seen on tape before. Talk to me a little bit about what Auburn did running the ball that you may not see Georgia do, or maybe Georgia will put that wrinkle in. Uh, They may to a certain extent. Neither one of these offenses that are lining up Saturday want to have their running back acting like, or excuse me, their quarterback acting like a running back. They don't want to run him. 10, 15 times on design runs. They want it to occur naturally. Beck, as well as Milrow, are both very capable runners when things break down and they can take advantage of a defense with their backs to them. They're going to pick up positive yards in those situations, but they don't want to run them the way that Auburn was. It was very reminiscent of of what uh, Gus Malzahn did in his first year down at Auburn. Uh, with those guys, they they found the inside run. You, you, so you have it's it's basically an option play where you have a speed sweep guy. So you have to account for him, or you're going to get beat on the edge. Then you have the quarterback rod and the 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 running back, which is going in opposite direction. So now all of a sudden you're being stressed defensively on where your eyes are supposed to be. You're attacking three different sides of the offensive line, and then the quarterback simply was reading middle linebackers to see if they were flowing. If they were not flowing, they were staying in the middle. They had them, they had us flanked by handing the ball off. If we did flow, they did a good job of opening up holes for Peyton Thorne to be able to run up the middle. Yeah. So it, it's it's an option style of play. So you won't see Georgia do that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. They're a much different offensive style, and I think that they're, they're very comfortable with what they do. They want to run the ball between the tackles, try to dominate up front. They're very good at it, by the way. And then incorporate their tight ends a lot in the, the short passing game and the play action off of that. I was surprised, though, because Alabama's defensive line had been so good this year. And they've been so good at just, you know, against the rush, pass rush, but also against the run. And I felt like they outsized Auburn's offensive line, but they were able to to move them out of the way to create some holes. Were they doing something different blocking? Uh, I'm not a... I'm not yeah. a, I don't really know about blocking schemes, but I understand numbers. Right. I understand we try to isolate. You try to isolate a certain area, and you try to put pressure on that defense. We always talk about that. You hear a lot of guys talking about creating an extra gap that a defense cannot plug right. with their defender. And Auburn did a really good job of doing that. They were creating holes up front, not necessarily at a point of attack, like what you used to see in the 70s and 80s, but more so of zone-style schemes where we're trying to take advantage of what a defense is doing, create an extra hole that one linebacker has to, to figure out. Is he going to take option one or option two? And he's wrong either way. Another negative in this game was the open receivers. A couple of blown coverages, was it? Where, you know, maybe miscommunication or just misreads, like Kool-Aid got beat one at least, if not twice, somebody else got beat. A couple of wide-open receivers, that's fearful going against a team that's got Monkonkey and Bowers. But but there's going to be a different point of emphasis. You can almost get lulled to sleep in the style of offense that Auburn was running because your eyes are constantly run the ball so effectively. You're having to come up and run support. That's really where your focus is. And quite honestly, you don't have a whole lot of respect for the receivers that you're going up against. That's not going to be the case this week. It's going to be those seven are responsible for the run game. I'm responsible as a DB for the passing attack. So quite honestly, I think both these teams really match up well against each other. Very similar in styles, both offensively and defensively, what they do. And so there's a lot of preparation that's gone throughout the course of the season 
simply by practicing against yourself during the course of the week. All right, Georgia coming up, SEC championship. Uh, let's get into that as uh, Alabama heads to Atlanta again. Brought to you, the talk of champions is by our friends at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag. Go to the website there, and you get a 50% deposit bonus, 50% deposit. Whatever amount you put in, add 50% to that, and you start playing with that money instantly. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with our friends at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag. Familiar foe in Georgia. And I want to start by this. And, and we asked Jalen Milrow on, on the next round this week this question, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, so many years together, uh, so many um, ties with these two coaching staffs, that I feel like maybe Jalen, when he watches tape of Georgia's defensive schemes, maybe says, I've seen this before, that they play a lot of the same type of style of defensive schemes. Is that fair? When you think about us being raised in our household, we often mimic those that we see throughout the course of our life. And you can only, it's understandable that Kirby Smart takes everything that he's learned from years and years of working with Nick Saban and simply applies it. Why? Because it was his at Alabama, quite honestly. He learned it, he knows that it works, and he wants to continue to do those things. And it was successful. That is also why it's so important for head coaches to every once in a while get new blood so that they're getting new ideas of what's going on around the country on their coaching staff. Different ideas in that meeting room, so things that they, wrinkles that they can apply, different things that they can do, so they don't become so stagnant. These are all really good coaches. They're all well versed in X's and O's. They have a huge support staff on the analytical side um, that are helping them put game plans throughout the course of the season, breaking down field tendencies and things that they need to do. And there's a lot of tape on both of these teams right now. But back to your original point, Yes, both of these teams, both of these offensive quarterbacks are going to look across the line of scrimmage and go, I see this every week. This is what I go against in practice. Yeah, that's why for some reason, Tyler, I know with, with uh, Smart and Muschamp and Schumann over there and Saban and Steele and T-Rob over here that it's some of the best college football defensive minds that are out there right. all in one place. But I have a feeling that this game is going to be like 38-34 uh, in the 30s, because I feel like the quarterbacks are going to be so comfortable with what they're seeing on the other side of the ball. Well, and I think offensively, especially at the skill position, they're talented enough to be able to put up big points. I think Alabama's going to have an opportunity for a lot of explosive plays in this, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Georgia does the same thing. They really do a good job of attacking the middle of the field because they have some weapons on the interior at the, at the, at the tight end position and slot receiver positions that can take advantage of safeties. And, and linebackers. That's not a coverage that Alabama nor Georgia wants to be in. And Alabama has some threats on the outside. I think that it can take advantage of some of Georgia's DBs, especially on the corners. So there's going to be a lot of explosive plays, some chunk plays in this type of game. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I think the same thing. I think this very easily could be in the 30s or even 40s. Oh, even the 40s. That reminds me of a oh, great Clemson. Even the 40s. Even the 40s. Clemson, Alabama, national championship game. And type you wouldn't game. think it with these two defenses. You would not. You would not. But I, I think there's a comfort level of getting out of uh, whatever huddle you have or, or whatever the play call is and looking over there saying, oh, I know what they're doing. And now we very, just got to execute yeah. it. And very similar to that Clemson game, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was a very low-scoring game in the first half as they're trying to figure each other out, adjustments are being made, and then all of a sudden, third and fourth quarter, when both Alabama and Georgia really turn the heat on their opponents, you start seeing more offensive productivity. I think you agreed with this earlier, but I want to 
bring up that Roman Harper, who was on our show this week, the former Alabama DB, now with the SEC Network, he doesn't think this is a game you call design runs for Jalen Milrow. He says they should call 40, 35 to 40 pass plays and let it just organically yes. happen, him running the football. I hadn't heard Roman Harper, but I wholeheartedly agree with him. I don't think you, you don't design plays like what Georgia Tech did when right. he's keen. I think you allow it to organically occur. But you have to go in there with the mindset, and it has to be told to him, when they give you this five, six yards, take it. Take it. Take Every it. time. Every single time. Because when you do that, all this other stuff is going to be easier and become open quicker. Yeah. Uh, you and I had a discussion at halftime uh, down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. One, two, three, run. One, two, three, run. Explain to me what you were telling me at halftime. Explain to me what that rhythm is for Jalen Milrow right now, well, you why drop, that's important. You, you drop back. You're seeing what the defense is giving you. If your first and second readers are there, give them the ball. But if it's not, don't hold the ball for five and six seconds. Although you, your offensive line may be able to hold up for that long, that's not the style that you need to play, simply because you're not putting enough stress on the defensive unit. When those first two or three guys are not open and the defense has dropped back 10, 12 yards, you need to take advantage of that cushion with your legs and run the football. Because then that's going to force those guys to stay around the middle linebackers and the linebackers to stay around the line of scrimmage to prevent you, similar like they did on the last play with the spy, you take those guys out of it, and it opens up the passing routes. You get more one-on-one opportunities, and the receivers are going to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, but how hard is it as a quarterback when you've had so many big plays downfield to not wait for that big play almost every time? How hard? Well, I mean, it's got to be tempting. Well, well and, but that's two different things yeah. because the big plays downfield a lot of times are drawn up. You're trying to go for a home run type of shot, and you're looking for a specific defense to go. And you know pretty quick when you drop back, if it's going to develop and be there or not, because you're reading the safeties and where they are pre-snap and post-snap, and you're going to see if that's going to develop. I'm talking about more of the the, the intermediate passing route game to where you're running 10, 12-yard outs and you're running things across the middle crossers. That's the style of defense play that I'm talking about. When you see that 10-yard cushion, 8-yard cushion open up or one defender in the middle of the field and you can go either way, that's when I want to see him run the football. Our friends at Roback bringing you part of the talk of champions today. Roback.com slash TNR20. Even if you've bought from Roback before, you can take advantage of that 20% off through TNR in the entire site. If you go to Roback.com slash TNR20, a great holiday gift coming up. Who doesn't love good gear, good hoodies, and great golf pants and golf shirts under the tree this holiday season? Roback dot com slash tnr20 right there you see the logo up in the corner roback.com slash tnr20 for 20 percent off the entire site as you shop this holiday season um you talk about their offense and i'm just so impressed with carson beck before he even started a game out there i'd seen him enough in mop up that i thought he was going to be good but he's exceeded good and he's approached great categories as this season has grown on. He does a lot of things well. What do you think he does best? He understands what he is expected of him. He understands what Mike Bobo is trying to get out of him, and he understands defenses. He has a lot of weapons around him, quite honestly, too. Georgia is also, we want to run the football, but we want to be balanced. They're going to throw the ball down the field. A lot of weapons. He knows how to get them the ball, but most importantly, he understands defenses and immediately knows where to go with the football once he sees the, once the snap occurs and he sees sees how a, a defense is, is going to, to unfold. He seems to always throw it in the right place. Yeah, and he throws a nice ball, too. He, very, very accurate passer, 
and he can put in some tight windows as well. So it's going to be a huge challenge for the Alabama secondary. They seem to have rested up McConkie and Bowers to have right. them both on the field right. uh, as uh, they attack Alabama on Saturday in Atlanta. Um, let's go first with Lad McConkie. Uh, and I asked this to Terry on Arnold this week. I'm like, dude, how, how does this guy always get open? You look across the line, he's like a five, ten and a half white guy, and yet he's out there. He gets open all the time, and he beats you deep sometimes. And he's like, he's a great route runner. He's got good hands. And sometimes he just surprises you with his speed. That's what Terry Correct says. me if I'm wrong. I believe he was a quarterback in high school, okay. or at least had some quarterback Always playing. a great athlete. Only from the standpoint of good wide receivers understand defenses. They understand what they're trying to do. They understand leverage. They understand positioning of the defender that they're going against. And they know how to set their route up against how the guy across from them is playing. Sometimes you go fast, sometimes you go slow. You're able to set it up because you know what you're trying to accomplish, and even if the rhythm is off a little bit, it's not like the old days where it's one, two, three, four, throw the ball. Right. It, things develop now because the, the schemes are so complex, and you kind of know where you want to go with the football. Um, he does an excellent job of understanding spacing, understanding leverage, and he does know how to get open. Yeah, and I, I will tell you, every Alabama fan who's watching this right now, in your mind, and he's caught a touchdown against Alabama before, but in your mind you're remembering Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, the kid was always open against us. And you just think Lab McConkey the same way. Now, Brock Bowers is a beast. To me, the key on Brock Bowers on Saturday is when he catches his balls, that you tackle him instantly. Don't let that turn into a run after catch. No, that's the most challenging thing with him, though, because he <laughs> He's a big wide receiver, is what he is. He's an oversized slot receiver who does just enough good uh, job inside blocking that you have to respect him with a bigger guy. But at the same time, when he gets on a linebacker and or a safety, that's a mismatch. And he's got great hands. He knows It's kind of like Gronk. He knows how to go get the ball. Um, and then he does an excellent job of keeping his balance because he does have big, strong legs, lower body. He's able to break through arm tackles. You, you do. You have to gain tackle him and immediately get him to the ground as soon as he gets his hands on the ball because if he turns and faces you, he's going he's gonna to pick up extra yardage. Who's most likely to end up on him the most? I know they'll try to, you know, try to get him on a linebacker, and I, thought, I think our linebackers do a pretty good job of covering. Will it be Malachi? Will it be Caleb? A combination of Look, both? It, a combination of everything, quite honestly. I think you're going to see sometimes where uh, even Dallas Turner will probably be on him on a couple occasions. Right in certain defensive sets. So there's going to be a multitude of guys. You don't necessarily always want to play him man-to-man -man because I think that's when he can do a majority of his damage. That's where we use the great word bracket, right? You bracket him? You, well, you, you, you could, but if you do that, there's enough weapons elsewhere to where you're going to get beat. Okay. So he, I'll I think, put that one back in my back pocket then, the way you rolled your eyes. You know, I talked about this last year uh, with some former Georgia quarterbacks at, at the SEC Fanfare. You feel like the entire offense should go through Brock Bowers, and to a certain extent it does, because even if he's not being targeted, every defense that, he, that lines up against him knows where he is and takes account of where he is. It's basically why Steve Kerr was open his whole career, because Michael Jordan was on the floor. There you go. Yep, he was always open. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple more Alabama things before we wrap this up. Talk of Champions brought to you by the Watts Agency. Yeah, we would love an opportunity. There's, it's a hectic world right now with inflationary, social inflation, all kinds of inflation going on. The price of everything continues to go up. We also see a huge need of people being undercovered, not properly covered on both their home and their auto. We want to protect you and your family. Give us a call at 205-822-5477 or TylerWattsInsurance.com. Chase McClellan limited as we 
record this. Doubtful for the game. We'll see when we get to Atlanta. But let's say Jace doesn't play. Rodell does a really good job of getting small and hitting holes. I love his game. And then there's more jam at that point, right? We talked about this yesterday with, with some friends. This is the beauty of rotating your running backs throughout the course of the season. And Nick Saban, or Coach Saban, my mom gets upset with me, or my dad does when I don't call him Coach Saban, when th- this is the beauty of what he does. Regardless of the situation of the game that you're in, he's going to play three, four guys. He doesn't care. He's running going back to play. Committee, yep. This is where it pays dividends because you have running backs, true freshmen, who you feel comfortable coming in because they played in pressure situations, and you know that you can depend on them. So, yeah, Jan Miller is going to get more of an opportunity. I'm sure he would love that. All that is is a glimpse into the future because he is going to be the guy next year. He's going to be the guy next year. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban again. It'll be played up in the media that Kirby's only beat him once, but it was a big one. It was a national championship game. Uh, Alabama has beaten Kirby for a national championship, so they're 1-1 in national championship games. But in the SEC championship, um, Nick hasn't lost to Georgia. No, and outside of that one game with Bryce Young in 2021 in the SEC championship game, this has been a one that's this has been a game that's gone four quarters. Yeah. So I don't anticipate anything different. I think both these teams, like I said, I think they match up very evenly against each other. If you look at the stat line, total defense, total offense, point score per game, first downs, all that stuff, rushing yards, passing yards, they're right there together. They're very similar football styles of what they do, although they are different. Um, it's going to be a great. There's going to be a lot of talent out there on that field as well. A lot of talent. Uh, obviously, it's the talk of champions. So you know that, uh, I will speak for Tyler, that if Alabama wins, we think they should be in the playoffs. You probably tuned in expecting me to say that. You probably did not tune in expecting me to say that if Alabama wins and Georgia loses, I think Georgia should still be in the college football playoffs. It's my opinion. I don't know what yours is, but that team has earned enough respect through 29 straight wins and two national champions that a loss and this extra game on their schedule shouldn't kick them out of the playoffs. Perhaps it shouldn't, but at the same time, Alabama's been pretty good the last three years as well. And all their previous year's success is not factoring into where they're sitting at number eight. So regardless of what Georgia's done the last two years, it has no precedent, nor should it, quite honestly, on this year. I'm like you. I think this should be a play-in game. I also understand and appreciate the fact that you cannot penalize a team that has gone undefeated. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, like Florida State. Like Florida State. Yeah, it's going to be a tough uh, weekend, uh, but Alabama's got to do what Alabama's got to do first, and that's beat the team that's won 29 games in a row. He's Tyler Watts, and that's the Talk of Champions.